Oh, hello. Welcome to the Connection Point Worldview Podcast. My name is Ron. I'm here with Dr. Zach Breitenbach and Dr. Trey Shigley someday. Nope. Someday? <laughs> Come on, someday. <laughs> Pastor Trey Shigley for now. And uh, this is a podcast that's designed to help you as a parent or a guardian uh, take your yourself a little bit deeper into places that your student has already gone. This is the third and final uh, episode in a series that you guys have been doing with the eighth graders about sexuality and identity. Uh, it's been a really, really important one, but also kind of a, a heavy one. We'll wrap it up uh, with this episode. So uh, can you sum up the series so far and then describe what this week is about? Zach? Yeah. So uh, this has been a three-week series. The first week we were just talking about establishing that there's a real moral law, and it's really hard to deny that morality is a real thing. It's an objective thing. It's not just something we make up. It seems like there's a moral law that is pressing on us that we recognize that it's not like your favorite ice cream flavor where everyone's got their own opinion and who's really to say. It seems like there is really a right and wrong. Um, And so we talked about how God is the standard. We talked about how the Bible is the revelation of the moral law to us. Uh, Also, it's through our uh, conscience as God's written it on our hearts. But uh, we were just setting things up that first week. Second week, we talked about, well, what does the Bible actually say about gender identity, about sexual boundaries? And we got into some of the details there on, on boundaries and how to live within them. And then this third week, uh, Trey was teaching about, you know, what if you have gone outside the boundaries that we talked about in week two? What if somebody you know has gone outside the boundaries? Um, so how do you deal with that? So obviously uh, addressing shame, addressing, you know, how, how do you come back from going outside the boundaries? How do you deal gently with people who are, are outside of it? that sort of thing? That, that's the topic for, for this last week. Awesome. So, Trey, you want to speak to that. What, what is the first step if you find yourself living outside of the guardrails that, that God has established? Yeah, I think one of the first things that's important to recognize uh, before getting to the first step is recognizing the difference between temptation and sin. Um, and we know there's a difference between them because Scripture tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way, just like we were, but he never sinned. And so temptation is that kind of initial urge or thought to uh, do something that's against God's um, kind of boundaries. Uh, But sin is acting on those, whether that's in thought or in word or deed. Um, And so uh, this isn't like, oh, you've got uh, something uh, you're tempted towards and you really need to uh, confess or do all these things. No, it's when you've acted on those temptations. And so the first thing to do is to uh, confess. And confess is just letting someone else know what you've done. Um, and we look at First John, it says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So the first step is to recognize, hey, I've messed up. And if we don't recognize that, we're lying to ourselves. Like we we aren't seeing ourselves clearly. And then it's to confess our sins to God. And through that process, we can then receive his forgiveness. Um, but a, a second part of confession that we don't talk about as much is confession to others. Because we often confess to God, we receive his forgiveness, but we still struggle with that sin, or we still are suffering from the effects of it. 
And confessing to others can help bring healing. In James 5, it talks about confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so find a trusted person um, who can point you back to scripture and the gospel, who will pray for you and confess your sins to them. And that is actually the process that we can find a lot of healing. So you, you describe a framework that shows us what to do after confession, something to do with the uh, running. Could you explain that for us, Zach? Yeah, uh, Trey broke this down in a, in a really cool way, talking about uh, running from, running to, and running with. Um, and, and he kind of framed it around this verse, uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 22. Um, and here's what the verse says. It says, flee the evil desires of youth. That's how it starts, which uh, there you see the running from sin. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. So this is what you're running to. You're pursuing something. You're running after righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And then the, the verse finishes, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So this is running with, running uh, in community. So I think this is a good way to structure it. Um, we need to run from sin, and this is going to involve uh, repentance. As Trey was just talking about confessing, uh, turning away from your sins, uh, as well, and repentance, uh, and having guardrails, right? So this is going to um, show that you're serious about changing, uh, that you're willing to put up guardrails and, and boundaries and, and try to avoid uh, sin, and you don't want to go back to where you were. Um, and then running to uh, goodness is going to involve uh, spiritual disciplines, uh, really trying to grow uh, as a Christian. So you're going to grow in your prayer life. You're going to grow in uh, your Bible reading. Um, you're going to grow in your good deeds and trying to, to be more Christ-like. Um, and you don't do that alone, right? So that's where that third part of the verse comes in with uh, running with community. Um, so we're going to want to get involved in a small group. You're going to want to have uh, uh, friendships, Christian friendships, people that can hold you accountable, um, worshiping. All of this is part of uh, running your Christian race in community. Um, and, and all of that is uh, important. Be super helpful. Well, um, Trey, Zach mentioned shame briefly as we started a few minutes ago. How does shame play a part in this process? What is shame? How do we deal with it? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, we've all dealt with shame before. Um, and there's kind of a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is essentially the acknowledgement and the recognition, I've messed up, I've broken kind of God's commands, um, and I've done something wrong. Whereas shame will say, you are something wrong. Mm. And guilt will say, hey, you've broken a command of God. Shame will say, you are broken. Um, it's, it's kind of this... Uh, where you're just beating yourself up, where you feel terrible about yourself. And God doesn't want us to live like that as Christians. And uh, so that is kind of the thing that plagues people, plagues Christians. And uh, what we talked about to deal with that is to remember what Jesus has done for us and who we are, our identity in him. Um, and Romans 8 just has this beautiful passage about God's love for us and how if we're a follower of Jesus, this is who we are. Uh, 
Paul says in Romans 8. He says, who then is the one that condemns, right? Because that's what shame does. It's this condemnation. It's condemning us. And Paul says, no one, no one can condemn you. No one can condemn us. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. So Jesus is uh, he's fighting on our behalf. He's on our side. He's not against us. He's actually with us. And what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Neither death nor life, angels or demons, the present or the future, neither powers, height or depth, anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so to battle shame, we remind ourselves, what, what did Jesus do? He died on the cross, took our sins, and uh, took our place and rose again. And so now uh, we can live in our identity as children of God and not have to worry about earning God's love. There's nothing we can do that will make God love us any less or any more. Um, and so shame can often be um, kind of minimized and conquered through understanding just our identity in Christ as a child of God. That's that's really key because the enemy will heap shame on you. you you'll You'll contribute yourself. Sometimes other people will shame you for it. And uh, so to find your way out, just coming back to your identity in Christ, that's easier said than done, but so, so key. Um, Okay, so that's what we do if we are outside of God's guardrails. But what do we do if friends or family members are living outside of those guardrails? Yeah, so if if they're a Christian— or not a Christian, it's going to be uh, an important consideration, right? Uh, and biblically, this is an important consideration. So let's start off with what if these friends of yours or family members who are outside of God's guardrails are Christians, right? And they, they say, yeah, I follow Christ. Um, there's some important biblical guidance here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 13 is, is a, a useful passage to read. Uh, in here, Paul is talking about um, how he had written to the Corinthians before not to associate with sexually immoral people. But then he clarifies, well, obviously I don't mean uh, don't associate with anybody who's sexually immoral, like even outside of the church, because if, if that was the, the plan, you, you just have to leave the world. Right. There's, there's no way that, that that's possible. Everyone around you uh, who, who's not a Christian is not going to live by Christian boundaries and Christian parameters on their sexuality. But he says, no, I was writing to you that if someone calls themselves a fellow believer, uh, but they're sexually immoral. And and there was a guy living in Corinth who was uh, sleeping with his father's wife, and the church was just allowing this, and they were doing nothing about it. And Paul says, this is not acceptable. Um, if someone is calling themselves a believer, and they're living in sin like this, you have to respond to it. You have to deal with it. But there is a way of dealing with it, right? So we want to, the goal isn't to tear this person down. The goal isn't to just destroy them and make them just feel horrible and and give up and quit on the Christian life. The goal is to kind of restore them uh, gently. So Galatians 6, 1 to 2 is a good passage for this where uh, Paul says that if someone's caught in a sin, uh, you should try to restore that person gently uh, and watch yourself as well that you don't get kind of sucked into the same thing. So that's kind of a first principle is, you know, you don't ignore it, but you try to challenge them in a gentle way, an attackful way, and try to restore them uh, back to Christ and and also carry each other's burdens. Um, 
But ultimately, if they're not going to be repentant, if they're not going to turn from their sin, and they're like, no, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to go on living like this, um, then then that is a problem, and you're not going to be able to continue uh, fellowshipping with them in the sense of it's a it's a close relationship in your life. Uh, if they're in the church, you have to kind of set them out. Now, this doesn't mean that you you refuse to be friends with them anymore. It doesn't mean that you cut them out entirely. I mean, the goal is isn't just like to shun them and make them feel bad and and just be pushed away from the truth even more. But you you have to be really careful about their role in your life. Um, and, and certainly if they're in the church, um, you can't just let that go on. And those are hard things to, de- to deal with in confronting sin in the church. But um, biblically, it's, it's necessary. All right. So, so what if they aren't a Christian? How is your approach different? Yeah. If a friend of yours, a family member who's kind of living outside of God's boundaries when it comes to sexual behavior or identity, um, or really any sin, but we're being more focused here, uh, it's completely different if they're not a Christian because ultimately their moral behavior is a secondary issue. It isn't the most important thing. Uh, you could get someone to clean up their act and, and be acting better than most Christians you know, and yet they still are missing the main point, which is to know Jesus and to be in a relationship with him and to receive his salvation that he's offering. And so if they're a non-Christian, your number one goal is to just get them to Jesus and to remove any barriers that might stand in that way. And so instead of uh, addressing people in your life and saying, hey, you need to not act that way or you need to not be, whether it's sleeping around or, or looking at porn or um, doing all these other things that we would say, hey, these really aren't within God's boundaries. Instead of making that the first conversation, really the first priority should be getting them to Jesus. Because uh, there's a great verse in Philippians 2, uh, verse 13, that says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And so, as believers, we understand it is God working in us that makes us want to do the right thing and then gives us the power to do it. And if you're not a believer, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. And so you probably don't even have the desire to do the right thing. And even if you did, you don't have the power to do the right thing. And so it's only through the Holy Spirit in us that we're actually able to address those issues anyways. And so it doesn't make any sense to try to get someone to completely eradicate all of this sin from their life when they don't even have the Holy Spirit in them. And so removing any barriers between them and Jesus and getting them to Jesus and then kind of working um, on those other things later down the road is a huge uh, thing. And one of the biggest barriers that often stands in the way is this idea that you can't um, disagree with me or my behavior or what I identify as and still love me. To disagree means to be hateful or bigoted, and that's not true at all. And so one of our biggest obstacles to overcome as Christians is to prove that wrong, not just through our words, but through our actions, to prove that I can disagree with you and still love you sacrificially and fully and be there for you, be a good friend, and to prove that idea as a lie through our actions. And so that's kind of the approach when they're a non-Christian is just the main focus really is not about their moral decisions. The, the, 
their moral behavior, that's secondary. It really is getting them into a relationship with Jesus. That's awesome. That's so easy to confuse, like our job with with God's job, and and that First Corinthians five passage actually kind of wraps up that thought after what you were sharing with some clarity on that. You know yeah, that yeah. that it's God's job to judge those outside the church. That's not our job, mm-hmm. and ours is to kind of focus internally with brothers and sisters in Christ, and then those that don't have a relationship with him, that's God's work. And, and what, I feel like we do the exact opposite. Absolutely. What better witness would the church be to the world if we actually held each other accountable right? and actually extended grace and love towards outsiders more than judgment? Right, right. No, that's, that's great. Um, so if they aren't a Christian, then their moral behaviors is that secondary issue like you talked about. It's not going to be a high priority to bring that up. But how should you respond if they just straight up ask you uh, what you believe about sex and sexuality? Yeah, and here uh, we, we played a, a little uh, video clip uh, from, from Steiger uh, and, and Aaron Pierce, who has uh, spoken at Connection Point a couple of times. And he had a good uh, a good tip here, which is basically, you, you obviously you can't shy away from the true answer when someone asks you what you believe. Uh, you got to stay within God's boundaries and you want to tell them the truth. Uh, but he, he says, I always preface it by kind of saying, emphasizing the value and the dignity of all persons and talking about how with a Christian worldview, that's something we believe in. That's something that we think is important and something we believe is, in tr- is true, that all people are made in God's image and everybody has infinite uh, dignity, value and worth. And so he'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what I think about uh, these sexual boundaries and what my view is. But before I say, I want to tell you, like, I really think uh, that every single person has infinite value, infinite dignity, infinite worth. Um, and my my perspective on this is that I just care about people so much and I want them to know God's truth. And uh, I think that's what's best for them. And so he's basically setting it up so that it's really hard for them to hear your answer and have this kind of uh, you know, if you disagree with me, you don't love me. Mm-hmm. If you if you disagree with me, you must hate me. Uh, it's hard for them to walk away feeling that way when you kind of prefaced it by saying how much you care about all people and how you want the best for all people and how that's part of the biblical worldview. Um, so I think that's useful um, to start with that and then to, uh, of course, give God's truth. But that frames it in in the right way rather than a way of hey, this is these are the boundaries and this is hateful or this is uh, narrow and bigoted, um, you frame it more as uh, loving and um, uh, and it takes that uh, sting out of it a little bit. I like that because it, it is kind of a high wire act that we're engaging, whether it's with fellow believers or friends that we have that don't believe the same as we do. It's kind of tough to walk that line sometimes between grace and truth. And we're probably wired naturally by personality or otherwise to maybe lean one way or another, a little more judgmental or truth oriented, or maybe a little more, uh, accepting of whatever. And so Mm -hmm. the both and is, is really key. So what's one question a parent can ask their student as we wrap this up, uh, to get a discussion started about this? Um, anything, anything there? Yeah. I think a great question to ask would just to 
give a scenario and ask your student how they would respond to it. So something like, say you have a friend you know who isn't living within God's guardrails for sexual behavior or identity. How would you respond to them? And just have a discussion about that because odds are very high that that's true. They, they do have a friend living outside of God's boundaries. Um, and so just making a hypothetical situation out of it and just talking it through with them, seeing what they would say about it would be really helpful because that would help bring out the nuances of, well, first of all, what is God's boundaries? And okay, well, what if they're a Christian? Okay, what if they're an unbeliever? How does that make it different? So I think just giving them that scenario and asking, hey, how would you uh, respond to this? would uh, start some really good discussion. That's awesome. Well, I'm thankful for you guys and uh, thankful for the opportunity to have these sorts of discussions. Thankful for friends in my own life that have been both truthful and gracious when I've uh, had missteps and uh, we're praying for God's grace and his spirit just to be active in your journey as a parent and as a friend even uh, to those that are in these situations or if you yourself are in this situation that you'd come back to what is true about you from God's perspective more than any other voice. So um, we'll be praying for you and back with more information, more resources for you before you know it. If you've got questions about Connection Point Christian Church, you can go to cp.church and get started there. God bless you guys.